Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. What's going on, everybody? Welcome to the Pro Football Focus Show here on Roto-Grinders for Week 9. We've got the whole crew here, Britt Devine here. Uh, we've got Tyler Beaker. We've got Scott Barrett. Uh, Scott, big breaking news. Uh, Deshaun Watson goes down. Non-contact injury. Just just throwing a pitch uh, in practice today. It's practice, man. Uh, how bad is this for the, the Texans? This is absolutely brutal, worst-case scenario. Uh, DeAndre Hopkins leads all wide receivers in fantasy points per game and Will Fuller ranks second. That's absurd. Uh, Watson has the most fantasy points of any quarterback through the first seven games of their career and the 10th most of any quarterback in any season of their career through their first seven games of that season. Uh, Tom Savage, uh, I am of the <laughs> <Tom> opinion. <Savage. laughs> I am of the opinion that he is a very below average in quarterback in, in terms of backup quarterbacks, even mm-hmm. just a, a below. So not good. This is atrocious for everyone. Uh, Indianapolis defense on every DFS lineup on every site. It's um, interesting. I, I haven't, I haven't considered that. I haven't gotten that desperate yet, Scott. There's a couple of defenses. I like. So. Uh, I mean, yeah, I, I like the Rams and, and some others, but uh, Eagles, but um so the highest graded game of Tom Savage's career came in week one of the season when he threw seven completions, which was only one more time than he was sacked, which was six. He had negative fan duel points that week as well. Right. <laughs> Not good. Um, Ty- Tyler, what's your thought on this? The city of Houston wins the World Series last night, and now the football team, they've already had a bunch of injuries, but now absolutely crippled. I think it's uh, its sad to see a young guy, and you can really root for him, too. His story's great. Um, you know, a lot of people pre-draft were talking about, hey, his arm, he can't throw 50 miles an hour, but it doesn't really seem to matter. Just uh, kind of sad for him. A really good guy you can root for, it seems like. Yeah, Houston fans have run that entire gamut of emotions from World Series win to losing their starting quarterback, a feel for him. Uh, that last week's Sunday game against the Seahawks, that was one of the most entertaining games mm-hmm. I've seen in a while. Um, it's just a shame that it's happened, and uh, we have to watch Tom Savage going forward. Yeah, Tom I wish, Savage. I wish they could get Colin Kaepernick. There's not a chance. There's not a chance. For in Houston, for sure. Here, uh, Matt McGloin might be starting within a week or two, so they signed him as a backup. But uh, uh, enough Texan stuff. We'll talk about that maybe on a couple players as we get through here. Uh, let's get to Thursday night analysis. Uh, a pretty interesting game here. Scott, uh, unfortunately, 
or maybe fortunately, you have to talk about the Jets here first here. So what can we expect from them? McCown hasn't looked bad all season long. The Buffalo pass defense, pretty reasonable. Uh, maybe a couple big play wide receivers. It's hit or miss at running back here. Do you see anything useful for tonight? Uh, right. So Buffalo is being passed on 65% of the time this season. That's the second highest rate in the league. McCown has been surprisingly efficient, ranking seventh among quarterbacks in fantasy points per game over the previous four weeks of the season. Uh, but Buffalo ranks sixth best against expectation to opposing quarterbacks. Uh, so I'm not paying him, although it's kind of rough looking for a cheap quarterback this week for Matt Forte is cheap as well. And he has 20 carries and 20 targets over his prior uh, three weeks, uh, but uh, it's still a low upside committee in a tough matchup. Uh, Buffalo does rank seventh worst against expectation to opposing tight ends. And Austin Safarian Jenkins has 39 targets and three touchdowns in his last four games. He's my number six tight end in my rankings this week. And he's about at value as the fifth or sixth highest priced tight end this week mm -hmm. on both slates. Uh, Robbie Anderson is, is way too cheap uh, and has a stranglehold on this wide receiving core of late with 10 more targets and 22 more fantasy points in the next closest wide receiver over uh, the past four weeks, I believe. Uh, he should also get a target boost if Jeremy Curley's out. Is he out? I'm, I'm not. I haven't seen anything on yet on that yet. We got, a, we got a, who is it? Kelvin Benjamin's not playing, but I haven't seen anything cross the wire on uh, Curley yet. For a He's supposed to be suspended, but I'm not sure his status right now. Uh, but the matchup's not amazing for Anderson. Bills are above average in fantasy points per game on deep targets. They're above average against expectation. Uh, he's, he's a fine play at the end of the day, but it's still uh, what should be. Uh, I know we've said this before, but a, a really ugly game uh, for both offenses. I hope not. there's one guy and Tyler's going to talk about him here in a second. ASJ two. There's guys uh, I'm looking at DraftKings priced right above him, priced right below him that I'm much more interested in tonight. There's basically one guy I want tonight. And Tyler, we're going to talk about him. It's LaShawn McCoy, massive opportunity. Now, he's been a big home favorite for the past couple of games. That's typically when he has a good game. Uh, here he's on the road. Um, he still is a favorite here. Easily my favorite play, I think, on my fan duel cash teams. Uh, I might actually use him on the Thursday slate. And I'm usually a guy that likes to fade the Thursday game. Yeah, I think he's a very strong cash game play this week. He is a three-point road favorite, as you just referenced. Um, but McCoy's just been crushing it in terms of volume. He's seen 50 rush attempts over his last two games, seven targets in each one. He's finally on the winning side of variance. McCoy has scored all three of his touchdowns in the last two weeks. The Jets, 3.4 red zone trips allowed per game to opposing offenses is tied for the top five most in the league. So we're going to see McCoy have plenty of chances to score again in this game. And I think we could see him hit three straight weeks of touchdown production. I also think there's a pretty good chance for him breaking a long run like we saw last week with him. The Jets have allowed the fourth most run plays of 10 plus yards. A uh, quick shout out here to the PFF game preview staff for this nugget. Um, safety Jamal Adams has spent 84.1% of his snaps within eight yards of the line of scrimmage. That's ninth highest rate among all safeties. He also has the third most missed tackles at his position. So, I think we have a really good shot at seeing Shady break off a similar run like we saw last week with his 48-yard touchdown run where he's still got the wheels to take it to the house. Is he's there any is there any stat you guys don't have access to a pro football focus? you got this distance, you've got the yards, you've got missed tackles. Is there anything you guys don't have there behind? Uh, like you guys even have some of the super, super advanced stuff that even uh, like I don't look at. It's just absolutely crazy. Some of the, guys. Yeah, the limit does not exist. <laughs> we just have endless, endless stats. Um, 
And I really agree with you that he's great cash game play. I think I'd rather pay up for McCoy over Leonard Fournette, who's similarly priced, but McCoy has that receiving upside that mm -hmm. we covet in our cash game plays. Um, moving along in this game, I really like Tyrod here. On the road, he hasn't been a profitable move. Uh, he's averaging just 11 DraftKings points compared to 18.6 at home. This is also the second time that the Jets have seen Tyrod. They played each other in week one, and it's historically been wise to fade the second matchup between divisional opponents as the games typically are closer and they, the fantasy performers tend to do less than expectation. However, this is a really good matchup for Tyrod. The Jets are allowing the most passing touchdowns, and I kind of want to get some exposure here. Muhammad Wilkerson and Mo Claiborne are both likely to be out. Things should just open up even more for Tyrod tonight. And the Jets have allowed multiple passing touchdowns in six of eight games, allowing four different quarterbacks to also rush for 30 yards or more. Well, Kaiser was 29, but I'm just going to keep it at 30 for the sake of brevity. Um, but I really think Tyrod's rushing upside, particularly against the defense here, like Todd Bowles, where they play heavy man, could be on full display tonight, where we see Tyrod bust off a big, uh, big gain on the ground. Uh, what about what about the passing game here? You want to take a shot? There's no Kelvin Benjamin. I'm sport. I'm looking around for Jets inactives too. I still haven't seen that cross Twitter. As soon as that happens, I'll pop in on it. Um, but anything, uh, I don't know if I really want him. I tried some. Uh, who did I? I he he played so bad for me last week. I already forgot his name. Um, but I'm basically not interested in any wide receiver target. I had some Andre Holmes dart throws, and I got lucky with the touchdown bailout, but I'm fading this entire wide receiver group. Like you said, no Kelvin Benjamin, and there's really not enough volume going to any particular player to warrant any kind of rostering outside of some dart throws if you really want to. Uh, the tight end, I'm just going to avoid the T-Rex arms of Nick O'Leary. You can chase if you want. I'm just going to fade. Yeah, and the defense, it's, it's hard to play a defense against the almighty Josh McCown. He's, so, he's been so he's, – he's like the eighth or ninth best fantasy quarterback this season. I guess that speaks to how many injuries we have at the position. But uh, McCown just seems to get it done. I used him in cash one week, barely squeaked by with value, and he was like minimum price. Uh, I don't think I'm going to mess around with that too much. Uh, Scott, real quick, favorite play in this game, not named LaShawn McCoy. Uh, it's it's LaShawn McCoy. LaShawn McCoy, yeah. I agree to your question. Uh, right. ASJ, though, probably. Sorry. All right, let's go to quarterback and – uh, I don't know if either one of you guys had Deshaun Watson in, but unfortunately, if you did, you guys had extra work to do. So uh, we're not going to be using Deshaun Watson at all. Um, real quick, is Todd Sav or Tom Savage can't play him, right? Even though he's in like a really good spot theoretically. No, Scott, no Tom Savage this week at near minimum price. Um, I, I've heard a few people talk about playing him and Indianapolis defense, but uh, uh, loyal power hour podcast listeners know why I will never touch him and why I will always play the opposing defense. And that's, that's all I'll say. All right. So let's get to your stud quarterback. Uh, he's missing his uh, star running back. And you think this is going to allow him to pass more as one of the most efficient quarterbacks in the league. This is Dak Prescott in a huge total game at home. Uh, I agree with you. Uh, I think does Brian as well. Maybe we'll talk about him in a little bit as well here, but uh, give me some love for Mr. Dak Prescott this week. Right. Well, the, the, the main thing is stacking with Des Bryant, who I'm going to have like near 100% exposure to because... So is everybody. He, exactly. Um, yeah, he's playing at, at home. The cool stat I found was that Prescott leads all quarterbacks in fantasy points per drop back over the past mm -hmm. two seasons. Uh, if he dropped back the same amount as Tom Brady, he'd have 44 more fantasy points or 2.2 fantasy points per game more. That's incredible. I do think he drops back more this week. I know uh, the more you're dropping back, the less efficient 
uh, you're going to be. But of course, to fall far from the most efficient quarterback in the league, plus he's only behind Tyrod Taylor in terms of rushing fantasy points per drop back, could start uh, racking up some more points on the ground. Um, again, Zeke out, so efficiency could hurt there. Uh, I do still think this is a run first offense, but uh, it's the highest over under. It's a close scoring shootout. Kansas City's defense allowing the ninth most fantasy points per game, um, but they're surrendering two of the 11 highest quarterback games of the year, while Dak Prescott owns the 12th and 13th highest scoring games. Uh, could we get him at low ownership after disappointing last week? No, no definitely not. With not. But he, news. Right, right. But he's still. Uh, uh, definitely mispriced and uh, he's great. One other yeah. thing I like too, uh, I believe Kansas City plays a lot of man uh, that allows the quarterback to run a little bit more too. So that's right, a little right. bit of upside in there for Dak. Uh, so I do like Dak. I do want to note Jets and Actives have come out, Tyler uh, and Scott. Mo Claiborne, uh, Terrence Brooks out on the defense. Does that change anything for you, Scott? Uh, I'm sorry, I missed everything you just said. Uh, Mo Claiborne, uh, Terrence Brooks out for the Jets on defense this week. Does that change anything for you? Is screen playing? I, screen's probably out too, right? Uh, that has not. Maybe there's more. I, those are the two guys I see that are inactive uh, that popped up on my Twitter right now. So. Yeah, I mean, I mean that that's a boost for the Bills receivers, but like Tyler said, it's gross. Uh, let's see here. Uh, screen screen is back. Uh, he, okay. is, he is playing tonight. So. Uh, let's go Tyler, your stud quarterback. Uh, and this is a guy he's at home. And I think, I don't know, this is really interesting when I've seen some hot takes at some other positions, but I can really get on board with this. Uh, it's Drew Brees at home. The passing game's working really well. And I think this kind of plays into a little bit of a hot take. I think Scott might talk about at the running back position here. Uh, he basically thinks the pass game here is going to reign supreme Tampa Bay horrific. Uh, what do you got for me? Yeah, it's really weird with the Saints this year. Um, everyone's getting frustrated with Drew Brees due to his lack of volume, and it's really just come down to play calling. The Saints currently rank 56.5%. I'm sorry, the Saints currently rank 20th in their pass play percentage at 56.5%. The last time they weren't top seven in pass play percentage was 2009. Their offense has completely changed their identity, and a lot of it has, has to do with how well Mark Ingram's been playing. He's just been a volume hog and getting touch after touch. But I think this Bucks defense could be a good cure-all for Breeze. They're 31st in pass DVOA. They've allowed either 300 passing yards or multiple passing touchdowns in five of seven games. The Bucks rank top six in most passing yards allowed, top six in highest yards per attempt. And only the Browns have allowed more top six fantasy outings to opposing QBs than the Buccaneers defense. It's a lot of sixes. Uh, (laughs) They are the only defense without double-digit sacks, and the Saints' offensive line has had the third-fewest QB hits allowed. That's going to give Breeze plenty of time to dissect this defense that's just been plagued with injuries in the secondary. Breeze at home is a trend that we banged the drum for several years years now, and I'm just going to keep doing it. Uh, If people want to fade, that's on them. I'm going to keep playing good plays at home. Uh, Yeah, let me see if Brent Grimes – I forgot to look at his status today. So let's see here. Um, Brent Grimes uh, did not practice today as well either. So that's another little boost uh, there for the Saints passing game. Uh, value. There is some value. This is, I did a, uh, a premium show today with a head chopper uh, guy here at Roto-Grinders. And he thought I was crazy for mentioning Jacoby Brissett as a value quarterback because you got to do, if you want stud running backs and good receivers this week, you got to do some funky things. And I was thinking about the game script. They were going to be all behind because Watson was going to go nuts here. 
So what do we think here, Scott? How does Brissette, does his value increase? Does it decrease? These are all things I'm trying to put together in my head with this Watson. Yeah, so I liked him a lot more when Watson was active. Uh, qu opposing quarterbacks have one of the highest correlations in all of DFS. Um, with him being out, I'm definitely less excited. It's a soft matchup against a Texans defense ranking sixth worst in fantasy points per game to quarterbacks over expectation. Kind of surprisingly ranks 14th among quarterbacks in fantasy points per game since week three. But a big reason why the Texans were allowing all these fantasy points is because, you know, they were racking up all these points on offense. So the opposing team had a lot of garbage time. Uh, <clears throat> I'm definitely off this now. I'm, I'm pretty much just paying up for quarterbacks this week because I see a lot of gross value plays. Yeah. And you got to imagine too, the Watson led offense, they were kind of playing pretty fast. You got to expect it slows down a little bit with Savage, less plays. What I was keying in on uh, the Texans, they've allowed at least 29 points in five of their seven games so far this year. This defense just isn't doing really good here. I still like Brissett, uh, like you. I liked him a little bit more uh, when it was possibly uh, a shootout potential here. I'm going to have to reevaluate with Swatson a little bit. Uh, Tyler, you're talking about uh, a value quarterback who could possibly be the MVP with all these injuries going on right now. He's facing what theoretically is a tough defense, but it's not as tough as you probably think it is. This is Carson Wentz. It's the Eagles. They're at home against Brock Osweiler, who's no doubt going to turn the ball over a couple of times for some short fields and easy scores. I don't think a lot of people are going to be on once this week. Yeah, I love rostering top players at cheap prices just because of projected matchups. Uh, Carson Wentz leads all quarterbacks in DraftKings scoring so far this year. Denver's defense, it's in the their strength is in their corners. Philadelphia should have no problems running empty routes here against um, Bradley Roby. Uh, keep to leave with Alshon and Torrey. I think they're just going to be out there as decoys while they let Aguilar and Ertz run across the middle. Um, Ertz is going to be in for a big game. I think he's going to be the smash play at tight end. Well worth paying up for. And the rare week where I actually might want to try to pay up at tight end in cash games because of it. Um, I don't know if Carson Wentz will hit the 300-yard bonus here, but I really think multiple touchdowns are well within his range of outcomes. Over half the opponent, over half of the opposing quarterbacks that have played the Broncos have thrown for two or more touchdowns against them. The Eagles are currently 7.5 point home favorites. And I think he, Wentz has a great chance of going well under owned in this game. Yeah. I love uh, Philly's defense is one of my top plays of the week too. And I, I like when I see Brock Osweiler starting on the road in Philadelphia, I see uh, a couple of turnovers, maybe a couple easy gimme touchdowns for the offense this week. I think Carson Wentz, uh, an absolute screaming value. Uh, what is he? 6,100 on DraftKings. Let me pull this up here. That's uh, him, Matt Stafford, Marcus Mariota, Matt Ryan. Um, I know Matt Ryan could possibly have a good game, but I'll take once there for sure. I'll, I'll, I'll those guys. Uh, Scott, you're dud. Uh, I don't know. Are you cheating here? You, I feel like you're taking the easy way out here. You're not going to play Andy Dalton against Jacksonville. Come on. I think you're crazy. Uh, right. No one's on anti Andy Dalton this week. He was chalk last week. But uh, I do have a good stat for you guys. Jacksonville's leading the league with an opposing passer rating of 61.6 on 234 attempts. The last time a quarterback had as many attempts and a worse passer rating was Jimmy Clausen in 2010. He was terrible. Yeah, those were the, the days. Jimmy Clausen, a quarterback. What a horrible experience that was. Uh, dud for you, Tyler. Uh, you got two guys. You're basically saying, hey, this San Francisco-Arizona game is going to be so ugly. These guys have maybe a shot at one touchdown, but uh, possibly they could both leave the game with none. Uh, basically a complete fade of the quarterback situation here. 
Yeah, I'm not really into this game whatsoever. I think it's going to be a complete snooze fest. Uh, both these teams are going to turn in pretty run-heavy performances. I think we could see Bethard also without his top receiving options and Pierre Garcon and Marquise Goodwin, who've been banged up this week. Adrian Peterson should be running against the San Francisco front four that has lost Arik Armstead and Solomon Thomas over the last few weeks. It has the lowest total of the week, and it's just not really a place where we typically want to invest in DFS. This is just an easy fade for me. Uh, Colin Kaepernick, not an NFL quarterback, but Drew Stan and C.J. Beathard. We don't really know on Beathard. It's early in his career, but it uh, doesn't look like it's really panning out for him too much. Uh, so let's go wrap it up for some quarterbacks. Uh, we're going to talk some uh, high-priced running backs uh, with Mr. Scott Barrett and some dank stats. So let's talk about Todd Gurley. Uh, I like him quite a bit. Your, your dud, when we get to this, is going to be one of the highest-owned running backs of the week. So you're really going to have to back it up. Someone I was eyeing quite a bit here. Uh, but you seem to like Gurley. Uh, so what's going on with him uh, against the Giants who, uh, I don't know, I just don't think the Giants are very good as a team right now. Right. I, they do have a bye week to prepare. Um, but, yeah, I, I think Gurley just smashes. I think the Rams' defense just smashes. Uh he ranks first among all players on the main slate in both fantasy points per game and expected fantasy points per game, even in a 33 to nothing route in their last game. Gurley still saw eight targets, even in a 37 point victory in week one, he still saw six targets, uh, easy stack with the Rams defense, which are a run funnel defense. They're performing very well uh, against the pass where they rank, uh, sixth best, but they're 28th in opposing yards per carry allowed. Why is that significant? The Giants have no passing game to speak of, losing Odell Beckham Jr., Brandon Marshall. Uh, but even worse is their running game. So I, I can see a lot of turnovers in this game. Uh, just uh, Todd Gurley plus Los Angeles Rams all day. Yeah, it's really tough. Gurley, Hunt, Fournette. Uh, I think a lot of people are going to use Ingram. Scott might uh, argue against that when we get to his dud section here. Um, Tyler, you want to talk about Kareem Hunt? I think Fournette off a of bye, uh, a little bit rested, is also in play. It's really tough at the top if you're deciding who to use, but uh, why do you like Kareem Hunt so much? Well, I had to arm wrestle Scott for this take because he <laughs> loves Kareem Hunt so much. But <laughs> I, I agree with Scott that Todd Gurley should be the lock. I think he's the number one guy that we want based on volume. Uh, rushing and receiving but i also think that cream hunt is right behind him he's averaging 21.8 touches per game 22.8 fantasy points per game dallas has been fairly middling in statistics allowed but a lot of that is due to a lack of volume against dallas has given up the fifth fewest touches per game to opposing running backs but that's a lot due to opposing play calling opponents are throwing against them 63.3 percent of the time that's the third highest rate in the league. Lucky for Hunt, he ranks third on the team in targets, and two of his six scores have come via receptions. So I think he has a great chance of picking up some fantasy points that way. This game is just the one that I want to load up on in GPPs. Like, it has shootout potential. It's a near pick em, and I think we should see a ton of scoring on both sides. My not-so-bold call of the week is that Hunt beats variants and returns to the end zone this week, putting up a 30-burger in the process. Always have to worry about Andy Reid play calling, though. That's that's the yeah. one problem with Kareem Hunt. Uh, I do want to note. I uh, kill red zone throws. Yeah, uh, Dallas twentieth uh, in DVOA against running backs out of the backfield. That bodes well for Hunt as well. I think it's fine. It's really tough at the top. I like Gurley. I like Hunt. I like Fournette. I like Ingram. Scott's going to disagree with me in a little bit here. Uh, but Scott, before we trash Ingram, let's talk about uh, Mister 
uh, Run CMC, uh, who I might argue a little bit. I know you're going to have some things, but he played his fewest snaps of the season last year. They talked about getting Cameron Artis Payne some extra touches, and I believe CMC only played 58% of the snaps compared to 74% of the snaps each of the two previous weeks. Are you scared of Cameron Artis Payne? Uh, no, de- definitely not. Uh, you saw one target that's not really eating into McCaffrey's monstrous workload too much. I I've waited since April for this week. It is officially dairy Sanders week from now. And henceforth Christian McCaffrey will only ever be referred to as dairy Sanders. Everything's coming together. Carolina <laughs> traded Kelvin Benjamin just so I can have dairy Sanders week. Uh, so, so in week three, when Benjamin played only seven snaps, Christian McCaffrey saw 11 targets. Kelvin Benjamin leads behind a 19.9% target market share. That should be mean even more targets for McCaffrey, who already absurdly ranks eighth among all players in target market share, 14th in expected fantasy points per game. He's in a dream matchup. He's up against an Atlanta Falcons defense who over the past two regular seasons, which doesn't include James White's near Super Bowl MVP winning performance against them. They're allowing the most receiving fantasy points per game to opposing running backs. Who's the best receiving running back in the game? That's Christian McCaffrey. Sorry, Chris Thompson. Is he even uh, a running back? Right, right, exactly. <laughs> so so Atlanta's also allowing the fourth most fantasy points per game to re- receivers on short passes and passes behind the line of scrimmage this year. That's where McCaffrey has scored 90% of his total fantasy points. Uh, he's my RB9 and half-point PPR leagues. Uh, he's the 21st highest-priced running back on FanDuel. Derry Sanders week, don't look back. Yeah, I do like CMC just the target. If I give you over under, I don't know, 10 and a half targets, you going to take the over on that this week? Uh, it sounds about right. I think that's a pretty good line if you're in Vegas betting on it. So I do like CMC quite a bit. Uh, your value running back, Tyler, uh, let's see who you got here. I don't know if this was pre-Deshaun Watson news. I actually had Lamar Miller uh, penciled into my uh, shell cash game teams on both FanDuel and DraftKings, currently reevaluating that curve for Sunday. Uh, how do you see this playing out? Maybe it gets even more heavily involved now simply because you don't have Watson chucking the ball up and down the field now. Yeah, I need to do some reevaluating as well. I mean, I thought Miller was such a great play. He's like mm-hmm. priced right in the middle between uh, the punt plays and the studs. I thought he was a great way to build sound lineups. Now I'm not really sure. 300 more on DK, you can go to McCaffrey. I think uh, Scott's got a pretty good idea there. Yeah, this game this game is like, we have to evaluate it on the fly right here. So it opened as a 50-point game, a fifty point game total. The Texans were 13-point home favorites. Now they're down to just, I think, six or seven. Mm-hmm. In the last two couple hours, it's already gone down a full touchdown. I thought Watson was worth more than a touchdown, in my opinion. Like, I'm surprised I, it's to, only – To Tom Savage, only a touchdown? I thought that was more. <laughs> yeah, this could become a pick by the time it actually kicks off. Uh, but one thing that does bode well in Lamar Miller's favor is that the Colts are allowing the most rushing touchdowns and the most fantasy points on DraftKings to opposing running backs. Miller has at least 15 touches in every game. He's coming off a season high in both snap percentage at 87.3 and touches with 24. I think it's he's got a pretty safe floor in this one, despite the quarterback inefficiencies we may see. 
come Sunday. Yeah, they basically told Foreman in this close shootout game, just stay on the bench. We don't need you. We're going to let Miller. And this game probably a lot closer than most people think. I think Miller's got a pretty good stranglehold on the touches. I'm going to reevaluate my process and look at touches and game flow as the week for weekend progresses. Um, but for right now, I think I've tentatively taken him out of my shell cash teams. Uh, Scott, let's talk about Mark Ingram here because you've got him as your dud. And I think this is uh, you've got pretty sound reasoning here. You've got uh, I think it's a pretty big hot take, though. I looked at our projected ownerships from Jamino and he's going to be like the first or second highest owned running back on the week after getting 24 uh, opportunities last week. 27 opportunities the week before and 30 opportunities the week before that. We've basically been talking up Ingram every single week and it looks like uh, you have some reasoning why you don't want to use him. So uh, spell it out for everybody. Right. So I I'm the stats guy, but, but for once I have a little bit of narrative street for you. <laughs> uh, if we only look at price and uh, volume, recent volume uh, Ingram is a, much better play than Alvin Kamara uh, by a landslide almost even. Uh, but but here's my reasoning. Ingram is going to be super highly owned, but I don't think people are factoring in the legitimate risk of him seeing a decreased workload due to recent fumbling issues. Here's what I, I have written up. So Ingram is now one of the six highest priced running backs on both sites. Very good reason for, for being so. I've been calling him a mid-range RB1 since Adrian Peterson has mm. left. The rich man's Devonta Freeman this season, not on him this week. He's the fifth highest tagged running back on Fanshare Sports with a 100% approval rating. Who's <laughs> who's giving him that approval rating? I mean, if, not I, me. if I like him, he's going to be chalk of the week. I can guarantee you that. All right. There, uh this is much more a case for Kamara than it is a critique on Ingram, but, but just hear me out on this. Mark Ingram fumbled twice last week after fumbling two weeks prior. After his second fumble, Kamara came in and got the final three running back carries in the game. In week seven and eight of last season, he had fumbles in two consecutive games. And then he got benched for Tim Hightower, who is terrible and not in the league anymore. From week eight, until the end of that season, Ingram saw only five carries more than Hightower, despite outgaining him by 248. That's a 6.0 yards per carry average to 4.0. We've seen coaches, specifically this one, do stupid things before to punish a guy. I'm loading up on Kamara and bumping up Breeze slightly because of it. The matchup is also better for Kamara. Tampa Bay is a pass funnel defense, ranking 11th best in opposing yards per carry, but fifth worst in opposing passer rating. Breeze should be throwing more anyway, and Kamara is kind of used like a wide receiver anyway. He's lining up as a wide receiver 42% of the time. That's the highest rate among running backs. Again, he is expensive relative to current usage, but um, I'm shifting ownership based on what I perceive as legitimate risk that he sees a reduced workload this week could will be wrong but willie sneed best ball shares uh basically <laughs> rendered useless thanks to kamara lining up at receiver so often so right. uh, a pretty strong take from scott on that uh, i don't know i might have to reevaluate a little bit i think ingram uh, gonna be one of the higher owned players of the week to, to, to be honest i don't feel super super confident in it mm -hmm. i just haven't heard anyone else really talk about it so just 100 percent approval on, rating what can go wrong right so just based on that kind of ownership uh i'll go a little contrarian uh and i think tyler 
I think this is a little bit of a hot take. You got Chris Thompson. I, I just saw Kevin Roth's weather report just popped up for the Seattle game too. So it's going to be like mid forties on and off showers with wind going on in this game. There's no Jordan Reed. It looks like Jamison Crowder is not going to play. We just saw Houston destroy the Seattle defense here. I think a lot of people are going to be looking at Thompson. He's clearly the best running back because uh, they need to pass the ball every play. Uh, why the fade on Thompson this week? I'm not really as strongly opinionated here as Scott was on his <laughs> Alvin Kamara. In fact, I'll be one of those people in that fan share with 100% yes, because I love Mark Ingram. 26.7 touches since Adrian Peterson left. That's great volume. I'm going with Mark Ingram's side. But back to Thompson. He's going against a Seahawks defense that has allowed the fewest receptions and fewest receiving yards to opposing backfields so far this year. What's really imposing is Bobby Wagner in coverage. He's our number one graded coverage linebacker this year. He's also our number one run stopper among all inside linebackers. Sounds like a good player. <laughs> yeah, he's a very good player. Um, and as such, I'm not really that interested in Thompson. Uh, like Alvin Kamara, I think both these receiving backs are priced at their absolute ceilings. Um, they're going to need touchdowns to justify their salaries. I don't want to play Thompson at all this week. So uh, a couple, uh, I think a little hot takes on the duds. I like it when you guys spice it up a little bit. Uh, players that will be owned, you give some good reasoning why you don't want to use them. So uh, with running back out of the way, uh, this is where we screen share. Some of the cool stuff that Pro Football Focus has behind the paywall. Maybe even some more of these dank stats Scott comes up with be behind the paywall soon enough. Uh, but Scott, I, I want to start with you on your actual opportunity. It's kind of your baby. You put a lot of work into it here. I've got it pulled up here. Uh, with the actual opportunity, PPRs, the differences in here. So if the guys missed us last week talking about it, uh, talk about what goes on in the sheet, and then maybe one or two of the players playing this week uh, that you highlighted. Right. So basically we're looking at a 10-season sample size of every single target and every single carry. We're looking at every target by depth of target and distance from the end zone, every carry by uh, – down in distance and distance from the end zone. So obviously a carry on the one yard line uh, is worth far more than a carry on the 50 yard line. Deep targets worth more than short and intermediate targets. Uh, targets in the end zone, near the end zone worth more than targets farther away. So we factor all that in, add it together, every single carry, every single target, and assign a value to each player. That's describing a uh, the value of their role for fantasy purposes in terms of the volume they're seeing, but also um, the expectation. So it's like uh, contrasting it to what the average player would do. So we're looking, we can see how efficient a certain player is, uh, how many fantasy points they should be scoring. I looked at a number of players this week. We talked about, well, here's a guy. So, oh uh, no, I'm talking about him later. Never mind. <laughs> Dude, I think uh, all these guys we're talking about later. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, like I said, this is my baby. I put a ton of work into it. Uh, like a lot of these guys, one name I will point out is um, Marvin Jones, who I'm not talking about. So mm -hmm. over the past, over his past two games, he leads in yards and air targets, red zone targets, end zone targets, deep targets totaling 58.2 expected fantasy points. That's most among, among all wide receivers. That is absurd volume. Uh, I get this is due to Golden Tate only playing 59% of the snaps due to injury. I get these were two straight blowout losses. Uh, the matchup's amazing. I don't need to go too in-depth into it to that. But even with a healthier Golden Tate, 
if I'm playing that Monday night slate, I am going to have exposure to Marvin Jones just because of that absurd volume at a low salary. Yeah, it's nice to talk about him on the Thursday slate because you can play him on these games. And uh, we'll talk about uh, another player too, possibly uh, in uh, Devontae Parker, who is also available on the Thursday slate, who looks like he's in a pretty good spot here. Uh, Tyler, I want to talk to you. This is kind of new to PFF this year, but it's the, uh, what do you guys call this? The O-line, you guys do wide receiver cornerback. You started doing tight end linebacker. This is the O-line, D-line. It breaks in a whole bunch of run blocking, pass blocking from both offense and defense and breaks it down really quickly to see which lines have the best running and best passing advantage. Uh, Anything stand out for you this week? Yeah, uh, this is brand new to the site. Uh, It's its first year on the website. Uh, One thing that does stand out to me is the immediate Jets versus Buffalo. Um, The Jets have a terrible matchup on paper against the Bills' run defense. Uh, A lot of that does factor in Marcel Darius's play, who is now with the Jaguars. But I still think it stands to reason that the Jets will have a difficult time running against the Bills. Um, as far as a pass play for us to take advantage of, the Jaguars should have a little difficulty playing against the Bengals. They have the biggest <laughs> mismatch there. The Jaguars defense, I think they're first in QB sacks. I fear it's for Andy Dalton's career. Rate. I fear yeah. for Andy Dalton's career in this game. <laughs> he, he could land awkwardly and it could be a rough, rough outing for the rest of the season for Bengals fans. Yeah, so uh, check these out. We always do wide receiver, cornerback, and we'll talk about receivers in a minute. But I want to point this out. This is new this year. They also had a tight ends uh, slash uh, coverage linebackers to give you an idea of that uh, kind of next level stuff you don't really see anywhere else. So I want to talk about that. And then uh, snaps and pace. I don't know. Who wants to talk about this here? I talk about this every week. It's something I always look at. I, I like to see the games that are going to be slow possibly because these are games I probably want to avoid. Bengals, Jacksonville, not too interested in that. Oakland, Miami, slightly interesting because I do like Devontae Parker. Uh, Falcons, Panthers, I think a lot of people might think that's going to be a fast-paced game. Uh, Scott, you got Scott, any takes on Falcons, Panthers? Uh, I think both guys could be contrarian, and a lot of people have pointed out Sarkeesian uh, maybe isn't as terrible as people are talking about. He – Really, a lot of the numbers are the same, except for uh, just big plays, big plays and touchdowns. Yeah, right. Um, Kind of important. Cam Newton is rushing a ton. He still has that crazy high uh, tournament ceiling, uh, although very inconsistent. Remember the wins from last week uh, that could have played an issue. But yeah, Pat Thorman does amazing work with this. Any DFS player needs to read this every single week. Uh, He highlighted Washington at Seattle. Mm -hmm. Russell Wilson uh, is or Daryl Bevel, so the off, uh, the offensive play caller for the Seahawks, he hit a 10-year career, uh, 10-year high in passing games for play, uh, passing game, passing plays per game last season, and uh, plays per game last season, and he hit a new, he's hitting a new 10-season uh, high this year. Uh, volumes up, paces up, so maybe there's reason to like Russell Wilson again this week. No way. Just he's one of the best quarterbacks in the league. They get a new new offensive tackle too. Maybe that helps. Gives him an extra tenth of a second every once in a while uh, with a clean pocket. I think that's a pretty good spot. These are all things uh, I look at on PFF just about every week. I love Scott's article, Pat's article, Tyler. I'm sure you write some good stuff, but we can only talk <laughs> about so much. We got to keep moving on here. So let's go to receivers. Uh, it's going to end the screen share, and uh, I guess I'll start with you, Scott. You 
me, my grandma, my dog, we're all playing Des Bryant on DraftKings this week. I don't know why he's so cheap, uh, but I think he's in contention uh, with uh, probably Jack Doyle uh, as one of the highest owned players of the week on DraftKings. Uh, he ranks fifth among all receivers and expected fantasy points per game, fifth in target market share, fourth in air yardage market share, first among all wide receivers in end zone targets, targets inside the five yard line, 10 yard line and 20 yard lines per game. Efficiency has been poor, but anyone who's been listening to this podcast knows exactly why that's the case. Very cornerback sensitive, very tough cornerback schedule throughout the season. Mm-hmm. He's in a very strong matchup this week. Again, Ezekiel Elliott is not in the lineup. Uh, he's against the Kansas City defense, allowing the most fantasy points per game to opposing outside wide receivers. More specifically, they're allowing the most fantasy points per game to opposing left wide receivers after allowing the second most last season as well. That's where Des Bryant runs 47% of his routes. Kansas City is also allowing the most fantasy points per game to receivers on intermediate and deep throws. This bodes well for Bryant, who leads his team in average depth of target with 12.0, while, believe it or not, Cole Beasley ranks second with just 8.9. 11th highest priced wide receiver on DraftKings, 8th highest priced wide receiver on FanDuel. That's dumb. He should be chalk for a reason. Yeah, I think he's pretty good. In Kansas City, too, they were trying to switch up cornerbacks. They've been getting burned so much. Uh, so I still don't even think that's going to work here. So it does Bryant easily. Uh, he's going to vie for one of the highest owned players on DraftKings this week. Another guy, I think, on FanDuel is going to garner pretty high ownership, Tyler. And I'm even trying to use him on DraftKings. It's Michael Thomas. We talked about Drew Brees in the passing game. Scott doesn't like Mark Ingram. That bodes well for Elvin Kamara in the passing game. Tampa Bay stinks against the pass here. Uh, pretty easy to use Thomas this week. Yeah, I couldn't agree. I'm, I'm doubling down here with my best quarterback and my best wide receiver, guys. We have yet to see the monster fantasy like blow up game with this stack, and I'm anticipating it coming like almost any week now. Thomas should run the majority of his routes against Robert McLean, who has allowed 21 of 27 targets against to be caught. He's barely putting up a fight out there and ranks as our number 106 cornerback out of 114 qualifying. We already mentioned Brent Grimes will likely be out. Just more opportunities for Thomas to pick up tons of fantasy yards against um, backup cornerbacks. Tampa Bay is allowing the third most receptions, fourth most receiving yards, and the third most DraftKings points to opposing wideouts. Breeze at home. Let's go. Uh, Yeah, also uh, Tampa Bay. Let me find this up. I did some research myself this week. Uh, 31st past DVOA, 27th in DVOA against the team's top receiver. What is not to like Brent Grimes out? Uh, Play Michael Thomas, guys. Don't try to get too cute here. Uh, let's talk value again. This is this uh, relates to if you're playing the primetime slates or if you're playing the Thursday night slate. Jay Cutler's back slinging the football deep, Scott, and we want to jump back on Devonte Parker at low ownership here. Uh, give me some dank stats. Yeah. So before his Week Five injury, Parker ranked eighth among wide receivers and expected fantasy points per game, fourteenth in actual fantasy points per game, eighth in targets per game, second in air yards per game, and first in deep targets per game. The latter two statistics are most important to me. Yards and air, deep targets. Oakland is allowing the fifth most fantasy points per game to receivers on deep passes. Parker projects to run 43% of his routes lined up against David Amerson and 34% of his routes lined up against Sean Smith. Why is that significant? I'm glad you asked. Among (laughs) all 210 defenders targeted at least 15 times this season, Emerson is allowing a 30 plus yard play on 14.2% of his targets. That's the highest rate in the league. 
Sean Smith is allowing a 50 plus yard play on 12.5% of his targets, the highest rate in the league. And this isn't just a one season outlier. Last season, Emerson led all defenders and plays surrendered of 30 or more yards, nine, while Smith ranked second in plays surrendered of at least 40 yards, five. If he's healthy with Jay Culler back under center and workhorse running back Jay Ajayi now to the picture, Parker is going to lose his mind on Monday night, right? Is it or is it Sunday night? Uh, the 27th highest priced wide receiver on FanDuel. That is stupid. Yeah, I think it's a really great spot. We saw Jay Cutler have really good chemistry with him in the preseason, had it for the first couple of weeks here. Nobody's going to be thinking about this, in my opinion. Those deep stats numbers are uh, out of this world here. So uh, keep your eye on Parker. Uh, I'm trying to get more uh, tournament shares for sure this week. Um, you, we talked a little bit about Marvin Jones. Uh, Tyler, what do you got for me? He's getting all these targets every single week, a little bit of it with Golden Tate here. Um, but his matchup, uh, at least most of the time here, looks pretty promising against a certain uh, Packers quarterback. Yeah, he's been a complete target hog lately, seeing 25 targets over the last two games. He scored 21 fantasy points in back-to-back outings. And I'm rolling the dice here for a third. I really like this matchup here against the Packers secondary. Marv, Mar- Marvin Jones runs 88% of his routes on the outside, which means he'll draw a lot of Devon House when lining up on the right and Kevin King on the left. The Packers play pretty stationary as far as where their cornerbacks line up. House has been balling, though. He's limiting receivers to a 38% catch rate and a QB rating of just 40.2 when targeted against. King, on the other hand, He's been tested heavily as a rookie. King has played the same number of snaps and pass coverage as House. However, King has over twice the amount of targets against, yielding a 109.5 QB rating in coverage. When Marvin Jones lines up against King, that's where I'm expecting him to have some big plays this week. And he should do it a decent amount this week. Uh, Yeah, I think uh, Marvin Jones, again, another guy. Everyone knows this week receiver, there's T.Y. Hilton, too, who's slightly – he's so cheap on DraftKings, I think he's interesting for value – uh, you've got Devin Funches in the mix as well. I think those are going to be pretty popular guys. Uh, you guys have people a little bit off the board, and I like that on the value plays this week. Uh, Scott, I've, I've heard people playing Sammy Watkins this week here. So why don't you like him? It's just he ha- really hasn't produced, doesn't seem to be clicking here. Uh, you don't seem to want to use him this week, though. Yeah, right. Um, like I said, I get the appeal. Uh, he's up against a Giants defense without Janoris Jenkins. He's had a brutal cornerback schedule the past three weeks against Seattle, Jacksonville, and Arizona. Uh, But that being said, he ranks third among the wide receivers on his team and 67th among all wide receivers and expected fantasy points per game. Based on that kind of volume, I I just can't play him this week. Um, And you're dud, Tyler. Uh, AJ Green, I own him on my season-long fantasy week. I'm still playing him because my other options are like I don't even know, like Jermaine Curse or something tonight. So I'm going to play A.J. Green over Jermaine Curse. Uh, but you just can't. We didn't like uh, Andy Dalton. We want to use the Jacksonville defense. Uh, these outside cornerbacks, they're just they're just too good for Jacksonville. Yeah, this is just a layup here. Both Jalen Ramsey and A.J. Boye rank top 10 among all cornerbacks. Both allow a QB rating of just 41 when targeted against. Dalton's not going to have any time to throw. I don't think A.J. Green's going to have time to run his deep to intermediate routes. And... Good luck, Dalton. Good luck, AJ Green. Um, I don't think it's going to pay off this week. Uh, yeah. So don't uh, don't play AJ Green if he wins the Millionaire Maker at like two percent owned, probably even less than that. So be it. We'll take our L's, right? <laughs> um, yeah. Let's go. Let's go to tight end. Uh, close this out, Scott. Uh, we've got some studs. There's a lot of good tight ends in my opinion this week here. So 
Uh, I don't know. I, you like I can't argue with anybody's tight ends here. So you've got Zach Ertz going up against Denver. You already said they're probably going to run empty routes on the outside. Leave Zach Ertz, who's basically uh, otherworldly right now in tight end for production. Uh, Tyler's going to talk about Travis Kelsey, who I also like. There's a lot of good value. Uh, why should I spend up on Ertz? Right. Kelsey is a definitely a, a great play. Um, so Ertz is just crazy uh, productive. Mm-hmm. He has at least 80 yards or a touchdown in 12 of his last 13 games. Over his last 16 games, he ranks uh, fourth among all receivers in receptions, 13th in yards, fifth in uh, touchdowns, fifth in fantasy points. Uh, he's coming off of a tough matchup against the 49ers to face a Denver defense, giving up the fourth most fantasy points per game against expectation to opposing tight ends. And this is really how you attack Denver. They're still great against wide receivers. Now they're best in the league against running backs. Uh, 34.8% of their receiving fantasy points allowed this season uh, is going to tight ends. 29.2% of their receiving fantasy points allowed went to tight ends last season. That rate, that was the highest rate in both seasons uh, the past two, two years. Yeah, so I love Ertz this week. I think it's uh, good if you have the money. A little bit of a GPP swerve. Tough to use them in cash. Uh, it's always tough to use high tight ends when you want to get expensive other skill position players that can really win you the week. And there's a couple value tight ends I really like, but I can definitely get behind those pretty easily. Uh, the other guy is Travis Kelsey. Uh, Tyler, he's basically, he's he's another guy. He's huge. A complete mismatch this week uh, for the Dallas defense. Yeah, flip a coin. You can get exposure to both Ertz and Kelsey at almost the exact same price. Man, imagine Ertz in December this year, guys. Like he's crushing it right now, and we're only a month away from December. Touchdowns every week in December. <laughs> I can't wait. Uh, I love Kelsey though. I think he's also another great play. Our good friend Graham Barfield tweeted this out earlier this week. Kelsey leads the league in hundred-yard outings among all receivers over the past two years, tight ends and wide receivers. He owns a twenty-two point seven percent target market share of the Chiefs' offense. That's higher than some number one wide receivers on teams. He leads all Chiefs in red zone targets, red zone touchdowns. I'm not letting the defensive stats against Dallas so far this year sway me from away from going away from Kelsey. I think this is an absolute blow-up spot where they're going to rely on their best receiving weapon in order to keep pace in what's projected to be a shootout. Yeah, I think that's pretty good. I'm looking uh, over on Sharp Football as a kind of a site. Warren does the Friday night show here. One of the kind of the, the newest Big names, I think, to enter DFS. Looking at the success rates against tight end. Uh, so we've got Dallas, uh, 22nd in success rate. So pretty successful using tight ends there. Denver, 25th. Uh, that's a pretty good success rate. So teams know to target them with tight ends. Uh, and anything you can do on over on Sharp Football, too, uh, is really good stuff. Warren provides uh, pretty good content over there. So let's get to value. And you might think it's chasing, but one, he's not expensive enough. And two, he's getting like a bajillion targets a game here. Uh, I don't know if the pass happy game scripts going to be as much as we thought it was going to be with Deshaun Watson out now, uh, but I'm playing Jack Doyle because uh, Jack Doyle rules, Scott. Right, right. Um, I feel like that meme from like 2013 or whatever, Jack Doyle's price is too damn low. <laughs> uh, I, th- I think I I think I wrote him up last week. I'm uh, not sure. I did in, in a few spots. I um, used him in cash everywhere last week, and it was basically it was just like that won me the week. Right, money. right. <laughs> so he leads his team. He ranks fourth among tight ends and expected fantasy points per game. Uh, don't expect that to change too much moving forward, despite recent comments about wanting to get T.Y. Hilton the ball more. Um, so across his two seasons in the NFL, including preseason, Jacoby Brissett has targeted tight ends on 27.4% of his attempts. 
uh, while the league average rate hovers around 19%. Uh, that was true in his final year of college as well, when his leading receiver was tight end Jalen Samuels, who had 31 more receptions than the next closest receiver, as well as four more receiving touchdowns. Uh, Texans are allowing the seventh most fantasy points per game to opposing tight ends. He's the 11th highest priced tight end. Again, compare that to his fourth highest expected fantasy point total. Uh, just way too cheap not to he's, play him. It's not chasing points. He's getting the same, the, the volume of Ertz, 39 targets over the past four weeks. Texans just gave up two TDs to Jimmy Graham. Now Jimmy Graham's probably a better tight end with a better quarterback, but I think Doyle, I don't know, seven catches, 80 yards, a touchdown seems pretty easy for him this week um tyler you wanted to talk about jack doyle too but you lost the arm wrestling match for that uh, so let's talk about somebody else all right uh, i like jimmy graham as well washington is allowing the most receiving yards and fourth most fantasy points on DraftKings to opposing tight ends graham has four touchdowns over his last three games that number honestly should be higher he missed out on some other opportunities where he could have had a lot more fantasy points and bigger outings i'm gonna ride the hot hand here he's just 5k on DraftKings. i think that's priced way too low i think he's a great cash game play i think he's a great tournament play uh honestly he's a good flex play if you want to try to mix things up and go double tight end yeah if you're struggling on dk if you're trying to squeeze every ounce of value i think jimmy graham and jack doyle not a crazy situation to use both of those this week washington as well success rate uh 55 percent of plays against washington the tight ends are successful and why? Because Josh Norman and Breland, all these guys on the outside, uh, they're the second toughest success rate on the outside. So you pick them apart on the inside. Uh, I think Graham's in store for a pretty good week. Um, uh, this is a little hot takey, I think, Scott, here. Uh, you don't want to use Vernon Davis. So we just saw – well, we didn't just see. Um, but there's basically nobody else to catch passes in Washington. Crowder's not going to play, I don't think. Uh, Jordan Reed, he hurt his leg on a wet field. And I think it's going to be another wet field this week. So they're probably not going to run him out, even if he's questionable or whatever. I think they're going to sit him. Uh, Davis, he's basically the only healthy option, probably going to be running a ton of routes. Uh, why don't you like him? Right. Uh, I just wanted to commend Tyler on that Jimmy Graham take. That, that's a that's another good call. He leads all players and targets inside the 10 and 20 yard lines uh, per game. Also, Washington's allowing the second most fantasy points per game to opposing tight ends for the past two seasons. Uh, with Vernon Davis, it's just relative to projected ownership, which looks to be very high. I don't think he's as great of a play as everyone is making it out to be. Uh, if you look at the five games Reed has missed over the past two seasons, Davis is averaging just 8.6 expected fantasy points per game, so really not a lot of volume. It would rank 15th among tight ends this season, which is about where he's priced. Uh, granted, he is fairly efficient and like you said uh the receiving core is a little worse uh so i, I just temper expectations for D vernon davis this week uh, a couple things there is no earl thomas does that change anything he looks extremely questionable to play but also again uh, i'm looking at the success rate against tight ends you know which team is the toughest to have a successful play against tight ends that would be seattle uh they're at home this week uh how do you weigh those two out uh, earl thomas pretty good defender uh against tight ends here does that have to do anything for you um let me let me check and see his target totals against tight ends this year. So uh, we'll get back to you. We'll close out with that here. Uh, your dud, uh, Tyler. What, I mean, I, I can't. If there was a guy named Britt now, if Kenny Britt played, I would have to tout him every single week here. So why do you not want to play Tyler Croft? This seems like uh, something completely ridiculous that you don't want to play a guy with the same first name. No, I'd rather chase another ginger over Tyler Croft. <laughs> <laughs> Andy Dalton. <laughs> uh, <laughs> 
Well, I'll go Carson Wentz this week instead. Okay. <laughs> I'm going to fade Tyler Croft. I, I don't really have any interest in playing him whatsoever. He's running around on just 47.8% of his snaps. Ideally, we'd like our target, our tight ends to get near that 50% plus range. Some of them, like top five fantasy tight ends are near that 60 plus, 60% plus range. Um, so being sub 50 is not optimal. He Tyler Croft had just one game over 50 receiving yards so far this year. I'm not really chasing the touchdown potential here in a game where it has the lowest implied score of the week at just 16.75 points. He's going to he's going to need to block against these uh, defensive ends of Jaguars rolling out. Yeah, that's a really good point too. All that stuff. uh, I fear, 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 fear for Andy Dalton's life this week, this Jacksonville defense. If you have the money uh, spend up on them, Uh, Scott, did you come up with anything? Earl Thomas, does this do anything for you? Yeah, the data suggests he doesn't primarily cover the tight end for Seattle. So uh, maybe a slight upgrade, but but not too much. All right, Tyler, real quick. Any other player we didn't talk about this week that you uh, might have a take on? Um, Julio Jones. I kind of really want to play some Julio. He's been very inconsistent with Steve Sarkeesian, but he's priced under 8K. That's the lowest he's been priced since week 16 of 2014. All right. So, guys... Thanks for watching the Pro Football Focus Show. We had some really good stats, uh, dank stats, uh, hashtag from uh, Mr. Scott Barrett. So we're going to get on out of here. Uh, thanks to Scott and Tyler for showing up. Uh, I'm Britt, and we out ya. <laughs>